0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The
1: following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The calendar may say it's winter, but it's always a good time to be focusing on the boys of summer. From the stars who make the plays on the diamond, are the ones who make the decisions in the front office. Let's bring you inside your hometown nine with Inside
0: Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned
1: and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And welcome in, indeed, to Inside Twins. We're joined by Derek Falvey today, and uh, it doesn't get much more Inside Twins uh, than the man who is at the controls of the Twins baseball operations. Glad to have Derek with us. We're in the same building. We're in different locations to allow for this cool streaming platform. You can see the view is just a little different from Derek's office than it is from our network headquarters peering out over the Champions Club behind us, and uh, uh, very excited to have Derek with us. Of course, our program is brought to you by Brew Root Beer, locally owned and operated how memories are created and legends are made and Derek we're gonna have some fun today it's great to see you in the new year as uh, things starting to uh, the drum beat's starting to pick up a little bit headed towards 2024 quickly state of the market state of the twins in that market because it has been I think sluggish is probably the term uh, but not altogether surprising because certainly still a lot of time for uh, things to happen and a lot of talented baseball players looking for work
0: yeah, for sure. Well, happy New Year to you and uh, all Twins fans out there. Excited to think about when we turn the calendar to the next se- season, next year. Officially, it's when you really start thinking about getting to Fort Myers and playing baseball. But as you said, it, it's you know the reality of free agency and 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 the trade markets and the off seasons over the last really handful of years in baseball, probably over the last decade, is it keeps getting later and later. You know, we end up getting a little closer to. Uh, to, to mid-January before some of the things uh, come together in terms of deals. There were some, obviously, at the end of 2023. Uh, but for us at the, at the Twins, we've had less you know, in the early going and hopefully a little bit more action in the, in the weeks to come. There have been more trade conversations, more things picking up, especially as some of the other free agents have come off the board. Uh, and Hopefully, we'll find continued ways to, to add to what we're going to bring to Fort Myers here in the next month.
1: Yeah, one of the odd notes I saw this week that the Twins are one of five teams who haven't made a move who were in the playoffs last year, who haven't made a, a major addition. Now, a lot of the popular narrative has to do with the unsettled TV monies that affect several clubs, including the Twins. Personally, I think that might be a little bit uh, overblown in a simplistic way to look at it. The way I look at it a bit, Derek, and I would love your your input on this, is I think a lot of what your roster is going to look like and what you need has to do with with what is going on with Byron Buxton, like how healthy he is, what he can do for you. Can he play? Can he open up those DH at-bats for a slew of talented other players? Is that a big part of it as you're looking to put this roster together?
0: No, you're definitely right, Chris. I mean, when we think about our roster right now, we think about what we ended with, you know, this year in the playoffs and what's coming back. You know, we enter this season... With uh, you know, Eddie Julian wasn't in the same spot that he was a year ago. You know, uh, Royce Lewis was coming back from injury and wasn't back yet, right? So Byron Buxton, as you mentioned, and we were coming off a procedure last offseason with the idea that maybe DHing early and moving to center field would be the plan. This is a very different offseason for us in terms of where some guys fit on our, our roster. Ultimately, what guys are coming back, you know, what guys have which guys have proved a little bit more and have have moved up the chain some. But for Byron, you're you're right. This has been central to to our discussions this offseason. The good news is that for every week that passes, for every month that goes by, we get further and further away from his procedure, from his surgery, and get a chance to see him really progressing well. He's done um, BP work, and last time we talked, I think we were talking about him progressing into baseball activities. He's already done that, and he's done that without any issues, so that's huge for us. If he continues to progress in this direction, our expectation, and we've said this all along, we have made no secret of this, our plan is to have him in center field and, and to focus on that How many games? What does that look like? That's going to be determined somewhat on how it goes through the course of of the spring and into the season. But we're very optimistic about where he stands today.
1: Well, and that's such a big deal because when you look at some of the players available to you, just speaking of (laughs) infield talent alone, uh, Lewis, Correa, Polanco, Kirillov, Farmer, Castro, Julian, Miranda, Gordon, Lee, that's a lot of good baseball players, and you've got to figure out availabilities. Byron in center field, obviously, uh, gives you a, a major spot on the carousel, if you will, for some of those sticks.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt, as you said. I mean, Byron is critical to the center field picture. But we, like you said, we talked about Willie Castro a year ago and the impact that he, that he made and the ability to go to center field. We're, we're really bullish on a young Austin Martin having a chance. You know, he hasn't yet made it up to the major leagues, but he's a guy who can also play some center field. So we, we need Byron to be Byron. We know that. That's going to be critical for our success. But if we get that and we get some of the other guys that we just mentioned playing some uh, complementary roles, both in center field and in other spots, that only deepens our roster and and really gives us a a good chance.
1: I know that a lot of talk is about Polanco-Kepler because they're veterans as far as other teams' interest, because they should be interested in them. They're very, very good players who will make a team better. But you've got a lot of guys who fall into that bucket. Who are some of the other guys that you get called on a lot? I know you're going to take every call. You're not going to make every deal. But uh, I would assume uh, young guys with uh, with high upside or guys who burst onto the scene and are still inexpensive like an Eddie Julian, a Matt Wallner. I- I'm thinking your phone's ringing a little bit.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, we say this every year, and I know you mentioned, you know, both in Max Kepler's case and Jorge Polanco. I think it's pretty natural as veteran guys get closer to maybe free agency, you know, as they approach that that stage of their contract, that those conversations are going to come up. You're going to see rumors, but we hold high bars on those guys because, as you said, they're they're great players. They were, you know, critically important to our success at different junctures over the last handful of seasons that they've been here and, and more in both those guys' cases. So I think that you know we look at it as we want depth. We know how important depth is. You know, last year, one of the critical elements to our success was the ability to, to tap into that depth, to have those guys step up and play those roles. You know, the other players on our team, you know, you won't be surprised to hear that teams want to know a little bit about Royce Lewis and want to know a little bit about the availability of Eddie Julian and Matt Wallner and those guys that you just mentioned, you know, our young pitching. A lot of a lot of teams look at our pitching staff and what they accomplished last year and have thought about ways they could access that, you know, and potentially bring in one of those guys. Again, we hold them really high bars on those types of players. We have to take the calls. We have to think about how we're going to rework our roster to make it the best it can be. Uh, but ultimately, we feel the core of this team right now going into the season is a really good core that we want to build off of that showed uh, an ability to do some special things last fall.
1: Well, death taxes and Derek Falvey making a trade for starting pitching right before spring training. Those are three (laughs) things we can count on. Uh, I look at the guys you've brought in, a Sonny Gray, a Pablo Lopez. You brought in a Chris Paddock. Literally on opening day, Joe Ryan came over. Uh, That was a little bit different. That was a trade deadline deal. Tyler Malley uh, was another guy that you you brought over. With the departures of Sonny and, and Kent is gone, I know Paddock is back. Let's start there because you've got Pablo to front the rotation Ober, Ryan, anybody would love to start with that foundation. Did you see enough from Paddock in his return uh, to feel really good about sliding him right back into the rotation? Yeah, you know, that was
0: one of the highlights. There were a lot of highlights in October for us. It's some really special moments for Twins fans and for all of us around Twins baseball. But one of the ones that I I went away through the offseason thinking about and getting really excited about was that preview we got to see from Chris, both at the end of the regular season and ability to just get back on the mound, show his stuff, he had made some adjustments through the course of his coming back around the you know, shape to his breaking ball. Some One of the benefits you get, it's never good to have you know a guy have surgery and be down for a year, but one of the benefits as you're building back is you can work on some things. You can tweak your pitches. You can think about your repertoire a little bit. This guy's always had elite fastball command, ability to put it where he wants. He's had a great changeup. That breaking ball was an area for, of development for him. When we saw him come back and pitch in the playoffs, notably in that game against Houston, The ability to bridge those few innings, you saw a complete mix with with real velocity, with real ability. Obviously, holding that over five, six innings and building, and we have a chance to have him over the next couple of seasons. We extended him during the course of the time when he was down as well. Just gives us a chance to add another guy that we think can pitch toward the middle and and potentially work his way up uh, the rotation as we go through the season this year.
1: So again, foundation there, Lopez Ober. Uh, Ryan Paddock, and then I want to bring up Louis Varlin because Louis is a guy who was the depth guy last year. He came up, he answered the call, but then put on quite a show coming out of the bullpen. So I ask you as, as a group, as a pitching group, seeing what he can be and dreaming on what he could be as a back end of the bullpen sort of guy with his stuff, with his makeup, versus knowing what he can do as a starter, how do you go about determining... The preferred path for louis varland and at what point do you have to make a decision along those lines to make sure that he has the ability to be ready for what you're going to ask him to do in the spring
0: yeah our, our view and what we've communicated to louis all the way through and i i think you, you think back to some different starts he had i go back to really the first one in yankee stadium and his ability to just show up that day and and really just post we also got to see what he did when he transitioned to the bullpen there and, and helped us out in the playoffs, you know, given the way our, our pitching staff was going to work. His best role was going to be out of the pen. But we want him to start. We want him to prepare to start. He's still young. He's still developing. I think what you got to see is that, and I'm not saying it's easy by any means, but he he sure made it look that way. That transition to the bullpen can happen a lot later. It's a lot harder to prepare as a bullpen guy work yourself back toward a starting role. So our view is listen, he wants to start, we want him to start, let's keep that option in play. If at some point during the course of this year, during his career or otherwise, you know, that really lines up to go to the bullpen, we saw that with Joanne Duran, you know, ultimately that gives us a chance for another path. Not every guy can be as dominant in the bullpen shifting there as Louis showed. And and we think that just gives him more options to be a really effective Major League pitcher for us.
1: Yeah. Duran and Jax have kind of paved that path. They've showed what you can do going into that type of a role. Speaking of the bullpen, Josh Stallman, you know, we've seen what he's done against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, he's got that great breaking ball. Uh, he's got the velo. He's got the sweet haircut uh, coming back off an injury. So a classic low-risk, high-reward potential here.
0: Yeah, our view of this is you know, when a guy goes through thoracic outlet syndrome procedure, which is what he had and, and came back, you said it. We saw flashes of him being a really dominant back end bullpen arm going back the last couple of years. We saw it against us, but we've seen it against others. But you also saw some inconsistency, and oftentimes that TOS procedure, you know, that that's happening over time. It's not a, it's not quite like a Tommy John where your ligament snaps. It's something that's been impacting him maybe over a couple of seasons. So for him to get that procedure, to come back, we had talked to him during free agent process. He was already throwing, got a chance to see some of his bullpen uh, information, how he was throwing, what it looked like, video, things like that. And we felt like this is a great upside bet for us. You know, he's a a chance, a guy that can pitch toward the back end. I think about a couple of years ago when we brought in a Brock Stewart on a minor league deal and thought, you know, maybe there's some upside here if we can get him healthy and, and focused on that, you know, one inning stint, one plus inning stint. And we saw that with Brock and, I'm not trying to put too much pressure on Josh, but he's already done it at the big league level. We've seen that. If we can harness some of that stuff, get him back in full health and back in the bullpen, just gives us another great option to pitch toward the back end of the pen.
1: You know, speaking of pitching, a couple of years ago, everybody was, oh, it's going to be top of the zone. Everyone's throwing fastballs up. And last year was the year of the sweeper. look in the crystal ball What what is this is this the year the change-up is i've heard uh, from baseball people the split finger is going to be back in vogue this year in the continued back and forth what what do you think's on the way
0: yeah it's the cat and mouse game between pitchers and hitters right you're always trying to figure out a way to stay one step ahead on the pitching side and the hitters are making some adjustments and and i would say that you know that as you said the sweeper the advent of the sweeper was clearly the move last year i think the reality of us seeing you know the way uh, guys pitched in the in the postseason and having still to be able to command it, to throw it to where you need to, to be able to mix your pitches. Uh, the split and the change definitely have created some interesting opportunities. Um, you know, one example of that that I think we've seen is it historically was taboo to throw right on right changeups or left on left changeups, but you're seeing a lot more of that. You know, it's something that Griffin Jacks did really well at different junctures last year to keep righties off of his slider. So as the sweeper becomes more of a a common trait. You might need to see that split or that changeup kind of keeping hitters honest. So they're not diving out over the course of the outer half of the plate on those breaking balls.
1: Our show is Inside Twins. We're joined by Derek Falvey. And, uh, again, you can join us uh, live via the stream here. You can get all the pretty pictures uh, wherever you find your Twins content online on all our various platforms. We're going to take questions for Derek as well via the Facebook page, via YouTube uh, channel as well. And we'll take those questions in the back end of our program. Right now, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, you'll want to be by your computer. Derek might not want to be by his computer, but hopefully his family will, because we are going to do a little thing we call photo Album with Derek Falvey. When we return on Inside Twins and your home for Twins baseball, Chris Atterbury, welcoming you back to Inside Twins from our network headquarters here at Target Field. Derek Falvey is joining us in this segment. Well, this segment's called Photo Album, and it's called Photo Album for good reason. You're shaking your head. Are you I didn't know about this
0: beforehand. I may have tried to interject beforehand. Do you have
1: something to hide? Are you concerned (laughs) about anything that might be out there?
0: Uh, There were some pretty ugly haircuts back in the early days uh, for me, so I don't know what you're going to have here. All right, well,
1: we're not going to do too much. I will preface this by saying that so when I was in— in boarding school, we beat your alma mater, then called Governor Dummer Academy, for the New England Football Championship. And I remember it because the quarterback was allegedly a freshman, but he looked like 37 years old. (laughs) Uh, His family was at the game and it wasn't his parents, I think it was his wife and kids. Like Everybody (laughs) at that school looked so old and they were kind of ruffians. They were all over us that day. you, though, look, as, as we dig into the yearbook here, you look, you know, clean cut. Let's take a look at this.
0: Oh, man. There he is. The man oh, from wow. Lynn,
1: Massachusetts, and suddenly he's in private school. Uh, uh, what's going through uh, through your head right here? Uh, you didn't frost the tip, so kudos for that, but you look pretty beefed up. You, uh, you've you been hitting the weight room.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was a different lifetime ago, it feels like, for sure, but there was a, the mentioning the short hair. I always had really short hair at uh, th- that stage of my life, so it was... Uh, I don't even know what to say. Looking at that picture, it's a long time ago. A very, very fortunate uh, experience that I got to have at that school uh, with some great teachers and some great people in my life.
1: Yeah, and going from Lynn to uh, to Governor's Academy is a whole. It's a whole nother deal. It opened up a whole world of possibility for you. And as we see, taking a browse through some of these next set of pictures, it, it was this like a school ties thing. Were you Brendan Fraser? Like, did they need to bring in some talent? Because here's you as a as a baseball captain wearing the maurer esque number seven. And look at this guy. Yeah. Look at this guy back in the pocket. Walk me through the play here. Are you hitting the deep ball?
0: Oh uh, gosh. I just hope I'm not throwing an interception. That, that's, my, that's, that's my only uh, concern there. But yeah, that's one of my closest friends in the world, right there, uh, right next to me in the yearbook. One of, the, uh, still to this day, another kid from Lynn who went to school up there with me, and uh, we've been friends since we were about 10 years old. But he, uh, it's it was a great experience. You know, great opportunity to play those games. You know what's funny about that picture, the baseball picture you have of me with that person. Uh, he's a friend of mine from high school as well. Last week he was on vacation. He and his son were playing catch out at a resort uh, in Hawaii. And guess who walks up to play catch with him? Joe Ryan. So he texted me last week that he, that, that guy right there, his 11 year old son, got a chance to play catch with Joe Ryan at a, at a resort a week ago in, uh, in Hawaii.
1: Okay, that's weird. That's that's a little <laughs> beyond the pale of what we were expected, but uh, but that was fantastic. I need a scouting report. You're a talent evaluator. Give me your football scouting report on uh, Derek Falvey under center. Oh man,
0: don't don't get me outside the pocket. You don't want me running anywhere. Uh, there's never been a Falvey with speed, so that's just the <laughs> reality of, of my life. But I could I could throw the ball a little bit. I was more baseball football oriented as a quarterback. I I could I could throw the ball where I wanted to get it down the field when I when I needed to, but. Uh, you don't want me running the ball ever. That was a b- bad outcome for anybody.
1: All right. Well, at least you were the proper age, unlike your predecessor quarterback <laughs> for Governors back in 91. Uh, uh, let's take a look at some of your other activities. You were the commencement speaker. Uh, you won the Academy Prize with a sweet flat top right there. Uh, you got that bowl in your house somewhere. Same here, this, is, this is my favorite. You were in the Martial Arts Club. <laughs> Kung Fu Falvey. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Walk me through what the Martial Arts Club was all about.
0: You know, it was really cool. We had a, a, a physics teacher, actually, who's in that, uh, Mr. Nguyen, who was in that picture somewhere, um, who wanted to start that. And there were a bunch of seniors that year that said, oh, this would be kind of fun to do. So uh, through the some of the winter uh, period of time, when it was still a little bit cold and um, and, and you were indoors a little bit we did some specific training in martial arts which was kind of fun it was a, a way to break up uh, you know everything else that we were doing from from baseball to, to football and, and more of the traditional sports it was a lot of fun yeah
1: did, did you break boards cinder blocks Could you do some of that
0: no cinder blocks for sure I think we might have tried some boards but they were pretty thin
1: they, they were more <laughs> like
0: they were more like shingles from a house you know that weren't that difficult to get through so uh, it was uh, it made you feel good, though. You made you feel right. like you knew what you were doing. It, it, it got you to stretch a little more, which again, never been a strength of mine uh, to have any flexibility. So it was uh, it was a fun experience.
1: Everybody was Kung Fu Falvey right there at the Governor's <laughs> Academy. Now let's move on. College days. Who doesn't want to spend their college days in Hartford, Connecticut? Uh, you can see the familiar the the smile coming into play. The hair's still a little, little short, and then this yeah. guy. Yep, so yep. Th- let's say this guy's on the trade market. Uh, what do you like of his biomechanics? Do I need to get your your pitching room in here to to diagnose what you're doing pitching wise?
0: Gosh, you know what? I wish I knew a lot more than what I know now about uh, the way pitching all worked. Uh, would have done a mechanical overhaul to some degree. but yeah, that was a that was an early year there. Again, always short haircuts uh, all the way through, but that was my my early stage years of uh, of when I pitched a little bit more. Tell with some shoulder stuff thereafter, uh, mostly because of those mechanics and lack of ability to to do what I was supposed to do on the mound. Then I quickly realized if I love baseball the way I do, I probably need to think about something that's off the field as I go, because uh, this on the field things only only gonna last so much longer.
1: All right, and your repertoire? What uh, what were you throwing?
0: I was probably you know fastball, changeup, and and a little bit of a light breaking ball. I never had that good slider, or sweeper, so that was never going to be uh, that was never going to be a strength. I was more command oriented to some degree there, with a decent changeup from time to time.
1: Now, well, what kind of velo were you pumping up there for the? Vikings? Oh gosh,
0: at the peak, at the highest end ever for me, you know, it was really right around that time of that picture, probably going into. Uh, senior into college before I did, you know, my shoulder wasn't as, as, as healthy. There it was upper eighties. I would get to, I would, I would touch those, but never could touch at 90. Uh, that's All for right. sure.
1: All right, well, there you go. A little trip through the photo album uh, with Derek Falvey. We appreciate your uh, caption captioning those photos for us. Our show is Inside Twins. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Pier, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. Twins family said goodbye to a legend this week. We'll talk about that and take your questions via our social media platforms for Derek Falvey, all coming up next on your Home for Twins Baseball.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Welcome back to our final segment of Inside Twins. Again, glad to be streaming live for all of you on our various social media platforms. And of course, welcoming in all of our wonderful listeners across Twins territory on our fine network of affiliates. Derek Falvey is our guest. And before we get to questions for Derek Falvey, uh, the Twins family lost uh, a guy in in the baseball world, lost a member of its its family this past week with the passing of uh, a man known as Slick, Billy Gardner, a true baseball character. He was an original twin started at second base in the Twins first ever game. Uh, He was one of a small number 14 men to ever have managed the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Billy Gardner lived famously in a a Super 8 motel while he was managing the Twins and when they knocked on his door to tell him he was being fired. uh, The famous quote that he knew it wasn't room service because the hotel didn't have a restaurant. He was an all-time uh, contributor to the game as a player, as a manager, as a character. Uh, and we dug up this a great clip from the late Sid Hartman chatting uh, back in August of 1981 with Slick Gardner prior to the debut of a kid from Bloomington by the name of Kent Herbeck. Let's take a listen to it. Our leadoff man, Billy Gardner, is bad enough. You're losing, but you got Smalley out. You've lost Roger Erickson for the season. Now uh, Kuzman's indefinite. Uh, Ron Jackson is gone. Uh, lucky you got a couple of these kids coming up, Fedio P- and uh, Herbeck. How do you plan to use them? Well, they'll be here uh, for the game, Sid. And you know, um, I was checking the Tommy John stats out, and you know, just looking by the box scores. Uh, left handers usually hit him pretty good because you know he sinks the ball left and right uh, handers. And if the kids at first base, I th- I'm going to play them tight against them because. Uh, I think the left hand has hit him a little better, possibly the right hand. So uh, when he gets here, he's going to be in lineup tonight. Uh, that's the uh, the voice of the uh, late, great Billy Gardner. He was right, Ken Herbeck went on to get his first career hit of plenty of career hits against Tommy John and actually won that game off of George Frazier later in the evening at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Billy Gardner, a long life, well-lived, a New London, Connecticut native, a Northeasterner, and a true character, as uh, Derek Falvey joins us now for our final segment. And, Derek, it's so easy to think of wherever we are in the present as a culmination. This is the only thing that's ever been we've been building up to this moment. But really, we're all just part of a continuing line that was here before us. It'll be here after us. And baseball is made up of these legendary, wonderful figures like Billy Gardner and uh, a long life well lived. And baseball will miss him. His family will miss him. Uh, integral part, integral threads in the fabric of our game.
0: Yeah, you know what's, what's really cool is you hear those stories and, you know, I, was, I didn't personally know Billy, but then when I read about him, you shared what you shared and when I heard he passed, you know, obviously his family will miss him and he, uh, a life very well lived. But that part you mentioned, we're all just part of that, that lineage. It, it, there's a unique connection you have back, even if you don't know the people, you know that you're kind of a part of that line and that's just a really cool element to baseball and baseball fans. You know, it crosses over generations. There's kids watching the game today whose father's, Watched Billy Gardner and grandfathers and you know those who came before, and that's just what's unique about baseball, and certainly unique about Twins baseball is our connection to our history.
1: And one of the things the Twins do so well is to keep that that history live, even as we're making new history with uh, the coming generations of talent. Uh, it's a it's a tough line to walk. I think the Twins do it very very well. And again, with Billy Gardner, characters. Baseball is made up of characters, uh, and they are they are a delight. And uh, Billy Gardner certainly. Was that? Let's go ahead and get to some of the questions for you via YouTube or uh, via the Facebook questions. Tucker B wants to know mm-hmm. what Jose Miranda is looking like.
0: Yeah, a great question, Tucker. And thanks for asking. You know, when we talk about a lot of these young guys that we just mentioned on the team. If it was a year ago and we were sitting here, one of the first guys I think we would have been talking about is Jose Miranda. You know, he was coming off a great finish to 2022. He unfortunately dealt with that shoulder uh, impingement that ultimately led to some some challenges through the course of the year. He wasn't quite what he needed to be all the way through. The good news is he's tracking well through the offseason. He's been in Fort Myers. He's getting himself in a good place. To, to me, that just adds another option for us you know, that can go play uh, in the corner of the infield and, and can give us another chance. Because when his bat is right and he's swinging the bat the way he, he needs to be, he's just another real force for, the, for somewhere in our lineup. And He's still a young kid, still got growth coming. But the good news is we feel he's tracking well from a health standpoint that we'll see him in Fort Myers this spring.
1: All right, so that's an update on Jorge Miranda. Uh, Jose Miranda, I should say. I'm trying to read two things at once. Let's see. Any thoughts here Uh, of visiting the old friends' barrels, some free agents? Uh, Donnie Barrels, uh, Donovan Solano, a guy you brought in literally in camp last year, ended up being invaluable. He's still out there. Have bat, will travel.
0: Yeah, you know, Donnie was awesome for us last year. Did so many things, you know, that we needed him to do. I remember when we signed him, like you said, in camp, and he rolled into – uh, the clubhouse. that had already spring training had already started, and he was coming in there trying to get to know everybody a little bit. That's a a weird thing, but he, he really settled in so well to the clubhouse. He fit us on a lot of levels. I think it's a balance, right? We've had some guys kind of take steps forward that are going to play a little bit more of those corner field spots that he had. You had guys like you know Julian step up with the way our roster shakes out. We're not ruling it out by any means, but you know, a guy will continue to stay in touch with through the off season, see how the rest of uh, of January plays out and into February.
1: Right, we're going to hear from Blake here in a second. I was distracted, though, because someone asked if you listen to Social Distortion, who's also from Lynn, Massachusetts. So I was distracted by that one. I know you probably got a Social Distortion T-shirt somewhere uh, in, in your closet. Blake Helberg, uh, Royce stays at third. What happens with Brooks Lee? And Again, that gets back to all that infield depth we talked about. Yeah,
0: you know, the plan right now and our, our, our plan going into the season, we want Royce, who hasn't had the easiest path right over the last handful of years of, of just knowing where he's at. From obviously from a health standpoint, things like that. He had such a great year for us last year. He did so much, you know, what we wanted. We want to keep, you know, infield. Obviously, he's a shortstop. He's played shortstop. Now we have Carlos there as well. But it's nice to know that Roy still has that in the in the in the cards, and he's he's going to continue to work there a little bit too. But we'll keep him on the left side of the diamond, really. Shortstop and third base. He'll focus primarily his work at third, and then in Brooks Lee's case. You know, he's a guy who just had his first full season of professional baseball. And I, I think that sometimes is underestimated when the guy gets all the way up there to triple A. And he's he's a big part of, you know, what, what we think will be part of our future here. But ultimately, he's a guy who continues to grow and develop. We'll see him in spring training. He'll be a part of camp like he was last year. Uh, and we'll continue to, to support his growth. He's not done growing yet. He still has some 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 work to do, uh, and can ultimately fit in multiple spots in the infield. It's never a bad problem to have too many guys who can play shortstop on your team uh, that can ultimately play other spots in the infield.
1: All right, one more question here via our social media platforms. Again, appreciate everybody who joins our program via the online platforms also uh, joining us, listening in across our fine network. This is a fascinating topic, and I'm glad Paul brought it up. The Otani contract, again, unprecedented. We hadn't seen a player like Shohei Otani, and we may never see another player like Otani. But the fact that he could get that type of money and then have all of that deferred, you know, we make these Bobby Bonilla jokes every July, and yet here we go. As a guy sitting in a front office looking at that, where that money's being deferred down the road, so they can sign a Glass now a Yamamoto, is this a slippery slope we're on?
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, Paul, and it's one that we are trying to tackle. As you said, this is very unique. Uh, Otani is a very unique player, as we all know. Uh, Maybe no one will never see anyone quite like him again. But ultimately. The contract, the way it was structured, it's something that we're exploring. We're learning a little bit more about it. It wasn't as prevalent. Deferred money has been part of the equation for a, a number of players across the last uh, decade or so. I know, know guys, other guys on the Dodgers, Mookie Betts or Freddie Freeman or others have had this uh, in their agreements as well. But the fact that it's becoming a little bit more discussed now and more prevalent uh, is just going to be a conversation that we have to have internally. Certainly, something I'll have with Joe Paul at and understand kind of how that plays out. You do ultimately realize it does impact your future payrolls. You want to think about one eye now, one eye in the future. But obviously, we understand there are financial benefits to, to doing that and kicking some of that uh, further out if, if players are open to it. So it's a unique conversation for every player, every agent. Some agents are not open to the conversation, some players aren't. So ultimately, we're going to have to cross that bridge when we get there with each individual conversation.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. That's uh, Derek Falvey. Great questions from all. We appreciate Derek's input as well. We appreciate Derek's yearbooks for joining us here on the photo album segment, uh, as well as we wrap up another edition of Inside Twins. Last thought. When the Twins win the World Series, would you agree to cut your hair back in the high school buzz cut? (laughs) I was in it.
0: We win the world series you can cut my hair however you want right you can you can make it purple it doesn't matter what color it is i I, i'll I'll be i'll be so excited that day i'll be looking forward to it and that's what we're hunting every day to try and do
1: all right when we pour pour the champagne the clippers won't be far behind derek (laughs) be joining us as always a wonderful conversation here on inside twins it's brought to you by killer root beer locally owned and operated how memories are created how legends Made. That'll do it for this edition of Inside Twins. We'll be back again next week. We hope you'll join us then, whether it's via our social media platforms or right here on our wonderful network of affiliates right here on your home, the Twins Baseball. You have been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killabrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.